it's going to be different tonight, so I'm going to need some active group participation, all right? What I want to do is model for you how simple it can be to lead and participate in Connect Group Study. And I want to share with you how you can make disciples by studying the Word together. And I want to show you how you can study the Word by yourself as you interact with God's Word, how you can chew on it and think about it and take something away with you after you read it. I don't know if you're like me or not, but if I'm honest with you, more often than not, I can read the Word, put it down, go about my day, lay down at night, and hardly be able to tell you what I read that morning. That ever happened to y'all? I've got a Bible app. I can be riding down the road, listening to the Bible, and get about five exits down and think, I've been thinking about fishing the whole time. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So I want to give you some very simple tools that I hope will enhance your private life in the Word, your devotional life, and also, I really just want to show you how simple it can be to study the Word as a group of believers. Now, disclaimer. This works better in a small group. Newsflash. This is not a small group. (laughs) So, some of our connect groups aren't small groups, are they? (laughs) Uh, I want to show you how we can just simply study the Word together and hopefully empower you to say, I can do that with folks myself. When we meet for connect groups, we don't want our time to just be about information. Because discipleship is not merely about information. It's about transformation. Jesus called us to Himself to follow Him so that He would make us into fishers of men. He is transforming us. And when we interact with the Word, we want want it to be much more than just information. But we're looking for God to transform us. We're looking for transformation. And so, we have a process in place for connect groups. We we call it the three-thirds process. This isn't new with Longview Point. People are doing this to plant churches all over the world. And the idea is, discipleship has several key ingredients. It's not just information. Some of those ingredients are Bible study and Bible knowledge. But also, it's worshiping together, loving one another, loving the Lord together. It's serving. It's fellowshipping together. It's holding each other accountable to obey the Word and to pursue Christ together. So all those ingredients need to be included in discipleship. Okay? So if you break your meeting time up into thirds, one-third, two-third, three-thirds, it helps you to make sure you don't neglect certain aspects. Some of us are really good at the prayer side, the prayer request side when we get together. Some of us are good about talking about what God's doing in our life or maybe talking about football or something else, just getting to know each other. Some of us, we really just can't wait. We get past all that stuff. Let's just get deep into the Bible study and let's just make sure we're spending the majority of our time in the Word. And sometimes we get so busy with the first two things, the the fellowship and the accountability and the encouragement, and then the Bible study, that we forget to really talk about how does this impact my life? How does this transform my week? What do I do? So, 
we have broken up our, our meeting time into thirds, if you will. And we call, it, we call it looking back, looking up, and looking ahead. Now, when you're looking back, you're talking about your week. How did it go? Last week, when we studied about sharing the gospel, you said you were going to try to share it with your, your neighbor. Tell me about that. How can we pray for that individual? Or, it's okay. You know, I understand. I got busy too. I did, you said you're going to read the Word for you know, 30 minutes every day. You did three out of five. Praise God. Let's pray that He'll help us do it better. You're looking back. Talking about prayer requests. Loving on each other. Encouraging one another. Well, then the looking up is very obvious. That's your Bible study time. We're going to study the Word together. And we want to have a very simple, biblical, affordable, reproducible process. So, we don't have a lot of money tied up into our Bible study process. This is it. You see this? Say, teach, do. What does it say? How do we filter down what it says? How do we filter it? That's a picture of a, like a little filter. What are, a sift. What do we filter down? What are the main points? And based on that, what do we do? I had a, a good friend of mine that discipled me as an early believer, and he told me, when you study the Word, always ask yourself at the end, so what? What do I do with what I've learned, with what God showed me? So when we get together for the Bible study part, we ask these four questions. Now it's confusing because it, we call it the sword method. You see the picture of the sword next to say? That's not an acronym. People, people went, drove themselves crazy trying to figure out what S-W-O-R-D stood for. It just means sword. <laughs> the Word of God is a sword. And when we hold a sword, it points up. And that reminds us to ask the question, in this passage, what do I learn about God? Man is holding the sword. That asks, reminds us to ask the question, in this passage, what do I learn about man? On one side of the sword, there's the sin. In this passage, are there any sins that we need to avoid or repent of? On the other side of the sword, you've got an example or a command. Is there an example in this passage? Is there an example to follow or a command to obey? Now, I agree. There's a whole lot more inductive Bible study questions. And it's perfectly okay to ask them all. But we want to make sure we start somewhere. And this is a real simple way to start. So, that's our Bible study time. When you get to the do part, say, teach, do. We're not going to put this on the internet, right? In India, they, they abbreviate that STD. <laughs> we don't do that here. <laughs> we just say, say, teach, do. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything over there. Say, teach, do. So, the do part. It's action. You see the little stick figure that's running? What do we do based on what we've learned? How do we apply this? How does this change our life? Alright. So now we're going to practice. Y'all ready? Does anybody remember? Review. We've got to review. We've got our time broken up into thirds. What's the first, what's the first third called? Looking back. Alright? And that's a time of talking about what's been going on, prayer request, accountability time. All right. Now, what's the middle, the, the second third? Looking up. 
Alright? And then what's the last one? Looking forward. And then what does that mean? Planning to obey, right? Setting goals for obedience. During the looking forward part, I didn't mention this, is a great time for the group members. Not, it's not the teacher setting goals for you. Hey, this week I want you to share the gospel with five people. You come back next week, and if you didn't, man, I'm going to hold you accountable. That's not what it's about. But it's saying, hey, based on what we've studied, what's God putting on your heart? We're, we're t- what's the Holy Spirit showing you? Is there anything in your life that you need to focus on this week? All right, and give everybody a chance. Remember, in connect groups, we're supposed to be tight, like family. We're supposed to be growing together and serving together and loving on each other and spurring one another on. So, set goals and let everybody set their own individual goals, and then it's a time to pray. What about every single week if we just commissioned each other? Hey, go out. God, help us. we got these ambitions to serve you this week. We can't do it without your power. We pray for these goals. We pray that you help us to obey them. And we just want to go out commissioned to live for you and to serve you and to seek to expand your kingdom and commission them. That's looking ahead. Now, what are the four questions that we're going to look at during our Bible study time? Well, the sword's pointing up. That reminds us to ask, what do we learn about God? Man is holding the sword. What does that remind us to ask about? Man. Then what's the next one? Sin. And then what's the last? An example or command. One more disclaimer. Every single passage may not have an answer for each one of these categories or questions. You don't have to force it. There's no need to force it. This is just meant to help us interact. Alright, so now, without wasting too much time, let's study a passage together. There's a passage that has meant a lot to me ever since I was a baby Christian. John chapter 15. And I just, I'm telling you, we're not going to ever get enough of it. We need the truths from this passage every single day. So let's study it together. Now I'm going to ask you all to help me out, okay? We're just going to look at John chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Here's your context. Jesus is entering into the Passion Week. He's about to die on the cross. He's preparing His disciples. He has spent His earthly ministry getting them ready for this moment. And now He's departing. And He's reminding them of some precious truths. He's telling them about the Holy Spirit coming to empower our Comforter, our Counselor. He's talking. He's praying over them. He's preparing them. He washes their feet and tells them to serve one another with that type of humility. And then He gives us a metaphor. He gives them this metaphor of Him being the vine, His Father being the vine dresser, and us, His followers, being the branches. And that's where we're at. If we were in a small group, or if I even still had a microphone, I'd ask for somebody. I don't want to be getting too close. You know, I, I'd, let my, I'd let my wife use this microphone, but she's about the only one because it's so close to my mouth. <laughs> you read? I'm just kidding. I'll read for us, okay? I would, I would prefer to have someone else read. John chapter 15, verse 1. I 
am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless it, you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. All right. Has, a, has there been a particular word in this passage that stood out to you? Abide. 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 Abide in me. My words abide in you. I in you. You in me. Abide in my love. Abide. 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 What happens when we abide? What does he say in this passage? When we abide, what happens? We bear much fruit. And... Who is glorified when we bear much fruit? God the Father. And if we bear much fruit, we abide in His what? His love. If we're keeping His commandments, we're abiding in His love. Why did Jesus say that He said these things? So that His what can be in us? His joy. If we have His joy, is it just a little bit? No, it's so that it, our joy can be what? Full. Now let me ask you a question. Do you feel full of joy tonight? Because you can. And I want you to. And so does God. And I'm here to tell you, you wake up in the morning, you can be full of joy. How? How can we be full of joy? By abiding in Christ. Why do we make it so difficult? Why do we make it so difficult? Let me ask you a couple questions. Now when we ask the question, what do we in this passage, what do we learn about God? This can be about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. What do we learn about God? So be ready to give me a verse reference. But tell me some things in this passage that stand out to you. What do we learn about God? 
Okay, so God the Father is the vine dresser. What does that mean? What is a, what is a vine dresser? Yeah. He's not playing dress up, right? He's just he's taking care of the vines, right? Okay. What else? What were y'all gonna say? That he loves us. Amen. He loves us. That's good stuff. He prunes us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's not so fun, is it? But why does He prune us? What does it say? So we can bear more fruit. Why are we so, why are we so reluctant for God to prune us? Isn't that interesting? It's for our good and for His glory. What do we learn about God the Son in this passage? Who is it? He's the vine. The true vine, right? He is the vine. He's to the okay, Jesus said he has kept, he's abided in his Father's love by keeping his commandments. That's good. Aren't you glad? There's some deep theology there, Dale. Look out. Anything else stand out to you? Can't. All right. All right. He does it through us, right? He does it through us. That's good. Anything else? He tells us to love one another. He gave us the perfect example, didn't He? Just a few passages before, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that He laid down His life for His friends. That's good stuff. Context. Okay? Anything else stand out that you want to talk about about God? He is the source of complete joy. Man, I tell you what, anybody ever trying to find joy in other places? You know, what is joy? Let me, what, what, what do you, how do you define joy? What is joy? Happiness in spite of circumstances. Okay. So, and if, that's the, if that's the case, it's almost deeper than happiness, right? Because it lasts no matter what our circumstances are. Why, how, can our circum, how can our joy not be determined by circumstance? It doesn't come from circumstances. Who does it come from? Jesus, God. Does He change? Is He ever caught off guard? Is He ever wringing His hands trying to figure out what to do? Not at all. Come on. All right. I'm getting carried away. Let's go to man. Do you, is there anything? Mankind. What are you learning here about mankind? You can talk about what he's talking to his disciples about or, or anything like that. They've been pruned. How why, okay, let me let me piggyback on that. How were these disciples clean? How were they made clean? By the word of Christ. That's the way we can be made clean by His Word, by His Gospel. What else do we learn about man or ourselves, disciples? Helpless without our source. Helpless without our source. Helpless without our source. If you, where do you see that at? How do you see that in the? What does it say, <coughs> ma'am? Verse four. He says that, that we cannot bear fruit apart from Him, right? Nothing. nothing. Miss Susan said we, we can do nothing. Now, that's not 
speaking like we can't drive a car or, or we can't do anything eternally significant, nothing without Him. You know what that makes me afraid of? Living my life doing a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> That's what we can do without Him is nothing. I don't want to do a bunch of nothing. I want Him to be doing something through me, right? Who are the branches? The disciples are the branches, right? And apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Now, what happens if we abide in Christ and His words abide in us? We'll bear fruit. And what else does He say in verse 7? Answer our prayers. Now, that is pretty outlandish. Is that not an audacious statement? If you abide in me, verse 7, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Man, teach me how to abide because I want a new truck. That's not what it means, is it? What are y'all laughing about? Y'all know better than that, don't you? If you're abiding, you may not be asking. Amen. That's what, did y'all hear what Craig said? If we're abiding, that's, not, that's probably not what we're asking for, right? He said, if I abide in you, if we abide in Him and His words abide in us, if we're saturated with His words, how do you think we're going to be praying? What do you think we're going to be asking for? We're going to be praying His will, right? We're going to be lined up, synced up, praying God's will. That's the key to powerful prayer life right there. Be synced up to praying His word, His will. Come on. All right. I'm trying not to preach. It's hard for a preacher to be a facilitator. What else do we learn about man? Verse 8. What does that verse 8 say about man? About disciples, if you will. When we do what? When we bear fruit, God's glorified. That's just that's a little bit humbling right there. The God of ages. The one who spoke all things into existence. The one, the only one who is completely complete by himself. Holy, holy, holy. Majestic in ways that our human language can't describe. Says that when we abide in him and he bears fruit through us, he is glorified. That's pretty amazing. All right. And what else? What does verse 11 say when we abide in Christ? What happens in us? Joy. And it's not just a little bit. You see any sin in this passage? Let's look at sin. Okay, tell me about it. Verse 6. He said verse 6. Not abiding in Christ. Yeah, what happens in that? It sounds like some judgment. Okay, now, all right, so now this is a good opportunity to throw a little hermeneutics at you. All right? That means Bible studies principle. Does this verse say that if you're a Christian, you can lose your salvation? Doesn't say that, does it? Well, how do we know that? Because these branches aren't abiding in him. So they're not abiding in him. So you're looking at even immediate context, right? Here's something I learned. I learned this at this church. Went to seminary for years and 
The two basic Bible, Bible study principles that guide me the most I learned right here. Scripture will not contradict itself. Right? Cannot. Therefore, if we have a passage that's a little unclear or maybe hard to determine what it means, we can use very clear passages to help us stay in bounds. Can't mean something outside of a clear passage that says that those of us who are in Christ are secure, right? Eternal life doesn't come and go, it lasts forever, right? So, Dale said those people aren't even connected. They're not abiding the branches that are removed. But, the sin there is to not abide, to not be connected to Christ. Do you know, there's a lot of people around this world that are not connected to Christ. What do they need? They need to be connected. How do they get connected? By the Word. Romans 10. What does Romans 10 say? All who call in the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. But how are they going to call on somebody that they've not believed in? How are they going to believe in somebody they've never heard of? And how are they going to hear unless someone preaches this Word? Right? So we need to get to them. That's a little, that's a little tangent, a little freebie. Any commands or examples in this passage? Abide in Christ. That's a command, right? Abide. Abide. Keep His commandments. Bear much fruit. You know, when you look at this, the main thing is abide. Now, I guess we probably ought to ask ourselves, what does that mean? Because we're speaking in a metaphorical, like, what does it mean to abide in Christ? What do you think? Stay there. Remain. Dwell. What is that? We, in, in modern day vernacular, we talk about our, our walk with God. Right? But what's that talking about? It's, we say it like this. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Abiding in Christ is being in that relationship. Being connected to one another. How many, how many of y'all are married? Y'all ever been in the same house as a spouse but didn't feel like you were very connected? Not me. Not me at all. <laughs> you better walk away. <laughs> it's a relationship, right? There's got to be that closeness, that, that, that connectivity. That... Here's what Jesus said. If my words remain in you, you're listening to me and you're praying to me, then you're abiding, you're connected. That relationship, that abiding, that dwelling together. So we should abide in Christ through His Word and in prayer. You see that in verse 7. And someone said, keep His commandments. Well, I think that was Mr. Chuck. It says that we can abide in Christ's love by keeping His commandments. Jesus said elsewhere, if you love me, you will. Obey me, and I will disclose myself to you, and that relationship deepens. Now, there are certain, some of us, who are doers. We're just doers. You wake up in the morning, you already got a checklist made. I've got a checklist for next week already drawn out. It's in my office waiting on me. It's just looming over me. 
And if you're like me, you can get so busy with all the things that are coming up. What's the first thing that we tend to neglect? What do you think? Abiding in Christ. But what can we do without abiding in Christ? That don't make sense, does it? The thing that is most significant to having a significant day, an eternally significant day, is what we neglect first. I don't get that at all. I just don't get it. But it happens in my life all the time. It gets so busy that I forget to just rest. Now, abiding in Christ, I think in this passage, this, this picture, think about it like this. you got a vine. Or in our context, maybe you, if you think about a fruit tree, right? you got a trunk. And Jesus is that main trunk, that main vine. Connected to the vine are the branches. What happens when the branch remains connected or abiding in the trunk? What happens? It produces fruit, right? Naturally. Naturally it produces fruit. Sometimes, because of me being a checklist person, I try to bypass the connecting to Christ part and just go out and bear a bunch of fruit. Need to share the gospel more. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. I'm gonna do it today. I'm gonna get out there and share the gospel in my own strength, trying to do these things. And that's not what it's about. But can I tell you something? If I'm abiding in Christ, it's kind of hard not to. It's kind of hard not to talk about what you're excited about, what you are deeply in love with. Is that true? All right. I'm getting ahead of myself. What do you think? We talked about this word that has been repeated over and over and over. What do you think the main point of this passage is? We're going up here to the to the filter it down to what are the main points? What do you think is the main point? Abide in Christ. You guys are Bible scholars. You see how easy this is? Now, I did pick a good, a good passage. I'll be, I'll be honest. It's one of the best things about when you get to just preach sporadically. You just pre- pick easy passages and they preach themselves. <laughs> what would you say are some sub-points under abiding in Christ? How do we abide in Christ? By what? Look at verse 7. Ma'am? Holding on to Him. How do, we, how do we hold on to Him? How do we practice that relationship? Ma'am, His Word and prayer. Drawing to Him. Is that what? Drawing from Him. Yeah. Yeah. That's good because there's a, there's a sigh of relief there when our job is just to draw near to Him. To practice that relationship. Reading the Bible isn't a checklist. Prayer isn't a checklist. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's resting in Him. He is our righteousness. We don't earn God's love. We don't do a bunch of things to be loved by God. Because of Christ, we are completely righteous and we rest in that. We just rest in His finished work. And when we rest in Him, and we just daily... Some, some, this, this metaphor of abiding in Christ 
is also used as a Spirit-filled life. We're just completely surrendered to the Spirit. Paul said, it's no longer I. I have been crucified with Christ. The old tray is dead. It's no longer I that live, but who? Christ lives in me. If that's the deal, it's not me doing this stuff or, or, or trying to bear fruit in my own strength. It's just me resting in Him, enjoying Him. You know what happens when I fall more in love with Jesus? I want to live for Him and not myself. And I want other people to know how good He is. You know what happens when I start trying to do it in my own strength? I get tired and irritable and bogged down. I start thinking about all the tasks that are looming over me and my forehead feels heavy. Your forehead ever feel heavy? It's just like... (laughs) But when I rest in Him... And just say, God, I just want you to do it through me today. It's not me, it's you. It's your strength. I want to do it with your joy. It doesn't come and go. It abides. It lasts. Does that make sense? So abide in Christ is the main point. We can abide in Christ by prayer and the Word. What else is another sub-point that we might look at? When we abide in Christ, what does the Father do? What is the Father doing? Okay, He abides in us, but go way back up to the first part of the passage. The Father's divine dresser, what does He do for those who are abiding in Christ? He prunes them. Sometimes He prunes us a little bit. Is that because He's mean? Not at all. God disciplines those whom He loves. Consider it all joy, brothers, when you face various trials because it does what? produces endurance. And that produces maturity. He prunes us. Why? God causes all things to work together for the good of those who what? Who love Him. Who are predestined to become conformed into the image of who? Christ. When the Father prunes us, what's He doing? He's cutting away all the stuff that doesn't look like Christ. And what's He doing? He's making us more like Christ. Even His discipline is good. It's so good because He is good and He loves us. So one of the sub-points might be that while we abide in Christ, the Father prunes us. And when the Father prunes us, if Jesus is the vine and we're latched on to Him, who is bearing fruit through us? Christ is bearing fruit through us. Now let me ask you a question. What kind of fruit comes out of a grapevine? What kind of fruit comes out of an apple tree? What kind of fruit comes out of those who are connected to Christ as the main vine? Huh? Christ-likeness. Who can stand a dose of (laughs) Christ-likeness? Now I'll tell you something else. True Christ-likeness? It's attractive. People want to know where you get that kind of joy, that kind of love, that kind of peace that surpasses all understanding, that kind of self-control. Can I tell you, without Christ, one of my biggest vices is a, a temper. But do you know what some of the fruit of the Spirit is? What, what Christ's likeness is? Self-control. Without Christ, I'm a mess. 
I think mean thoughts and I do mean things and I live for myself only without Christ. And when Christ takes somebody like me and He bears fruit through me, He's the only one that can get the glory because the folks that know the old tray, they know that I wasn't no good. And they know I wouldn't be standing up here before you talking about Christ. It's Him that's doing it through me, pruning me and bearing fruit through me. And let me ask you a question. When we abide in Christ through prayer and the Word, and when the Father prunes us and makes us more like Christ, and when Jesus bears fruit through us, who is glorified? The Father is glorified. You see the kind of the main point and then those sub-points? They're right there. They're just right there waiting for us to, to filter it down. Now, based on the things that we've studied, we saw what the Bible says about these topics. We've filtered down the main points. How should we respond? What do we do? What do y'all think? What are some applications based on this passage? Help me out. Okay, so we need to, we need to be intentional, disciplined to pray and, and read what? Read the Word. Alright, so if I were to set a very specific goal, what if you're sitting out there and you're thinking, man, you're right. I always know. I always feel beat down because I, I don't do enough. I don't do it enough. This isn't about checklist, checkbox. This is about abiding, practicing that relationship. And let me, ask you, let me tell you this. If you do it, and you, if you already have a plan, stick to your plan if that's what works for you. But if you don't, when you read a passage, it might be a couple paragraphs. It could be your five chapters, what I learned about God, what I learned about man. Is there a sin to avoid? Is there an example to follow or a command to obey? And as you do that intentionally, the Word that is interacting with you and the Father is pruning you and you're being indwelt with the Word in your mind, you're meditating, chewing on it. So let me get real practical. If you don't feel that you're in the Word like you should be, you're not seeking the Father, you're not abiding like you should, why? Why not? My first thought is, we're too busy. You feel bu- Do y'all feel busy? By the way, this Saturday, we're having a men's breakfast. It's, it's called, uh, sorry, I can't help it. it we call it uh, basic training because we just want to get together as men, lock arms, and do life together, spur one another on, talk about relevant topics. Jason Ford's going to be talking about a man and his time. Very pertinent topic. Any of y'all ever feel like you need more time? <laughs> you ever feel like you have a long day? Your long day is no longer due by us. There's only 24 hours at a time, but sometimes they feel long, don't they? We're so busy, we forget to make time to abide, don't we? So when do you think might be a good time for you to be in the Word, if you're going to say, that's one of my goals? First thing, okay. So what are we... Do, should we, if we're going to try to wake up at 5 in the morning to have more time, do, should we stay up till 1? <laughs> you know what abiding looks like then? Dear Lord, I just... <laughs> we need to carve out t- intentional time in the Word, right? And pray, alright? What, what are some other applications? Prayer? Amen. Love God. Love God. Amen. How do we love Him? Sir? Seek His will. 
seek his love. It's right there, isn't it? It's just right there. Ma'am? Well, that's a good application, right? We know where to find ultimate joy. We should tell other people. We shouldn't keep it to ourselves. We should, I put on here, joyfully keep His Word. You know, it's a privilege to know our Father in Heaven. All right, I'm going to run out of time. What we would do in our Connect group, and this is, this is the middle part, the looking up, looking ahead, what we would do is say, all right, guys, this is a tight group, right? We know each other. We're, we're about 10 or 12 of us, maybe 15, maybe 30. We're sitting together. If you're in a connect group that has 30 people, you need to pray and ask if the Lord wants you to go start a new one. And I'll help you with that. You come see me. <laughs> we say, all right, guys, specifically, how you doing? We know each other, right? We're family. It's okay to be real with each other. Like Brother Wade says, kneecap, kneecap, eyeball to eyeball. What do you need me to pray about for you this week, Trey? I, I want to be in the Word, but man, I always feel so tired. I just don't really know. But man, would you pray for me? And would you call me this week and ask me if I've spent at least five minutes in the Word this week? Now, I'm not going to say, five minutes, man, that's not enough. I'm going to say, man, I'm going to pray for you. Let me pray for you right now. Lord, I pray for my brother right now, and I just ask you to give him a hunger for you that can't be quenched that can't be satisfied any other way. And I pray that you wake him up early, give him energy this week. Do you know when you pray like that, God, what it, is it God's will that we spend time with Him? What did He say happens if we abide in Him and His Word abide in us? He does what? He gives us what we ask. Lord, please wake me up to be in Your Word. Help me. And you know what's going to happen in the morning? You're going to wake up and you're going to feel so tired, and you're going to be like, man, Lord, I'm tired. I remember I asked you to help me get up. I'm going to get up and be in the Word. Happens. Happened to me before. I'll tell you something to watch out for. I remember praying that God would give me chances to preach the gospel to people. I had a lot of friends that needed to know the Word. Lord, would you please give me a chance to share the gospel with Ed today? You know what God would do? He'd give me a chance. He'd put me and Ed in the truck. We're riding all the way from Hernando Dollar Branch. And you know what I'd be doing the whole way? God, I'm scared. I don't know what to say. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And you know what happens? I get, we get about halfway there, and I thought, well, we don't have enough time now. <laughs> and you know what I stopped doing? I stopped praying and asking God to give me chances. You know why? Because I was scared to take them. That's just gut level honest. We've got to be careful. When He gives us those chances, you know how you step through that door? By abiding in Christ. When my buddy Dusty came to share the gospel with me, he'd only been a Christian for a month. He had no idea what God was doing in my heart, but God had been drawing me to Himself way before I, He came. And He drove His car to my house, and the whole way He prayed, God, I'm scared, help me. God helped him. And God had prepared me to hear the gospel, and that night I got saved. God, I'm scared. Help me. That's a prayer of abiding. Step through that door and you know what happens? Man, do you know what happens? He takes over. He gives you the words to say. They may or may not be saved, but you are obedient. And you know what happens when you're obedient? You have joy. Joy unspeakable when God moves through you. So here's my encouragement. I want you to really think about specifically for you how do you obey this? What do you need to do this week to abide in Christ?
might be different for you than it is for me. But you know. You know what God's putting on your heart. Don't do it out of your own strength. Just rest in Him. Let Him do it through you. And you'll have joy. And He'll use you to glorify His name.